And I remember as soon as that was determined, someone looked at me and said, oh, like, Monch is going to get killed. Like, Monch is going to get killed. But to Jeff's credit, Jeff always got it. I think our sales leadership, you know, once we got into the conversation, they understood the problem. Charlie, who's been our longtime CFO, he has always been a great supporter behind the scenes. I think once people kind of saw what this could be and what it could mean for the business, we did have good support, people who helped us kind of foster the bet. Hey, Reed. So excited to have you here today and talk about all things Carta and launch and your PLG motion and uh, your experience launching all of these great initiatives. But first, can you give us some context into who you are? Sure. Thanks, Alexa. And good to be here with you today. Um, thanks to you and the focus team for having me. So by way of a brief intro, I started my career as a Silicon Valley corporate lawyer, practiced at Oric in Menlo Park in San Francisco for a number of years, worked with really broad range of startups across all different segments. Then I was an operator at two companies and joined Carta kind of by serendipity about five years ago. Didn't fully intend to, thought it would be a quick strategy consulting engagement and five years later, here I am. So I brought kind of a interesting lens to Carta in terms of background as a Silicon Valley attorney, two-time operator. I'm also an active early stage investor. And so I'm really passionate about what we do here. And in my time here, in, in addition to kind of building our partner ecosystem, I've spent a lot of time on innovation projects and kind of seeding new bets and seeing some of the zero to one initiatives through to completion. This might be the coolest background I've heard in a very long time. Wide cool. range of things that you're you're awesome at. So excited to dive in. What we're going to talk about today. So typically, what we talk about is the journey from going to product from product led growth to sales led growth. But I think Carta's a bit of the poster child that has figured out how to go the other way around from sales led mm -hmm. to product led, which right. not just something that you woke up and one day decided to be PLG. I know it was a lot of work and a lot initiated from you and your ideas. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we dive in, let's go through some just basic info. Can you tell me what this launch PLG product is? Sure, sure. So launch, which we're talking about uh, today, launch is essentially a free version of Carta. It's tailored for early stage startups. So when a founder gets going, maybe it's just solo founder, maybe some of their co-founders, we want to give them a way to get started off right from the beginning. And so they can get on launch whenever they start their company. Actually, even today, they can sign up before they even incorporate. And they can get going with a clean version of Carta, anything they need to do until they've raised over a million dollars. So it's a really good way for them to start off right. And then as you're kind of alluding to, today they can either fully upgrade online when they're ready, when they want to graduate into a different plan, or they can work with a Carta AE as well. Such a awesome product. I, we're big fans and customers of Carta. And as a founder, I can say, you know, sometimes you just don't want to talk to anyone. You just want to sign up for a product and get going. So I'm Fair. grateful you all have built that. For you all, it was interesting to learn that this was a bit of an internal sell to go from sales-led to product-led. And you had really strong conviction that this would work when maybe other people didn't. So how did you have enough conviction to actually make this happen? Sure. So I, I think it's the kind of thing, you know, it's not having a product-led growth motion 
having a freemium version of your product. It's not like I was the first person to think of that. So fully putting that out there, it's not like I completely pioneered that strategy in SaaS. But within Cardo, we had a very sales-led culture. Sales has always been a really important pillar in the company and continues to be. And we hadn't done anything like this. And I think this idea, every time it had kind of percolated, it had not come to fruition. And a lot of the people who had been with the company, you know, in earlier phases said, hey, you know, this isn't going to happen. And essentially I came in and I, I'd kind of, the first thing I did with the company was I essentially wrote out a new channel and distribution strategy for Carta that they could pursue. There was a lot of kind of product ideation in there as well, in terms of how we could tweak the product to fuel more distribution. And really where launch came from for me was really deeply observing our ecosystem, listening very intently to various stakeholders around the table, our customers, our partners, which involved early stage startups as they were scaling and involved law firms, you know, others involved around the table. And at the time there was an assumption that we would probably pursue incorporations. So if you look at the incorporation landscape back then, you had Quirky, which is pretty well known. You had Stripe Atlas, which was scaling. And then the Silicon Valley law firms formed a lot of companies as well. And it was kind of assumed like, hey, we might get into that game as well. And so I'd say we were exploring it. I came in and I essentially saw a different way we could solve some of the problems that we saw. We saw most companies were not joining Carta until after their Series A. So by then, you know, you're a founder scaling your company. They'd already raised significant capital. They already had a cap history, which was somewhat complex. And that was leading to every time a company wanted to join, they had to go through a sales cycle, they had to talk to an AE, they had to go to an implementation manager, they had to kind of make room in their finance roadmap to implement. They'd occasionally have to do cap cleanup. Their law firm had to be involved. You know, we had the implementation manager staffed. And so that staff, whatever we sold, we had to have an implementation manager on that project. And so it was fairly burdensome across, you know, every stakeholder on the table. And as I was thinking about this, I remember calling my friend who had helped to recruit me into the company. And his job at the time was actually to explore incorporations. And I remember calling him and essentially pitching him on not doing that at all. And I was like, what if there's a different way to solve this problem? At the same time, I was thinking a lot about, you know, how would I future-proof Carta in the sense of if I wanted to disrupt this company where we sat four and a half, five years ago, what would I do? And the the core thesis was, if I wanted to disrupt Carta's core business, I would start bottoms up. I would acquire logos before Carta had them, pre-Series A, and then essentially try to retain as many of those logos as possible as they grew up. And the last dynamic that I think is pretty relevant is virtually every incorporation partner, you know, Stripe Atlas, the law firms, they were pretty happy to give us that company immediately after. They were forming it for specific reasons. Stripe wanted e-commerce and, you know, payments, clientele. Law firms wanted new clients. No one really wanted the cap table. And so they would give us that company pretty much immediately. So rather than go start a war, the core thought was, why not just funnel that supply our way and essentially still get along with everyone who could who could feed us companies? So I think it was just, you know, to wrap that thought up from different angles, just coming at it from first principles, they all kind of pointed to the same answer. We could acquire companies right as they form. and Founders would be better set up to fundraise. The load of future implementation projects for us, we were bearing a lot of costs for that. Law firms were too. 
and they were writing off a lot of time associated with that, that would go away. So it would reduce a lot of friction in the ecosystem. If you've ever been a corporate attorney in the Valley, there's a thing called a cap audit where you kind of by hand go through the entire capitalization history of the company. And it's a, it's a pretty horrible project. And I was thinking if we do this, eventually those would essentially go away. Something would happen on Carta or not at all. And then, you know, the real kicker in getting to kind of your bread and butter is we could support a PLG mm-hmm. book it. And PLG, I don't even know if that was a real term five years ago. No one said PLG, but that's what essentially we were talking about. We knew that not everyone needed to talk to sales. Definitely our sales team is amazing, but we see this generation of people that they've already started companies before. They've already been on Carta. They've been an employee of a, a company on Carta. And now they're starting their company, whether it's their first or their fourth, and they know they want to be on Carta. So they're just ready to get going. And so all that between implementation, sales, you know, there was definitely a path to improve gross margin while also reducing our CAC. I think I, there was a lot there that I absolutely love and find extremely insightful. I think my favorite piece of insight that you just gave is the fact that you said to yourself, how could I disrupt Carta's business? And that's kind of what drove the PLG action. I think a lot of people are thinking about their businesses and saying, all right, how can a competitor come and beat us? And I think that's a really strong kind of perspective to take as well as a really good way to like get to the PLG model to say, this is what would be disruptive. Therefore, we need to Right. Right. Uh, Only the paranoid survive. So, so you came to the terms with you had strong conviction in launch and this PLG motion. You went through this analysis and these findings and these learnings. Now you needed it to get buy-in to actually make this happen. Right. What did that process look like? Because you said even earlier on, like so many people have brought this up and it never worked. What made it actually right. work? You know, I wish I knew exactly why it worked this time. I think there was just a lot of grit and conviction. Essentially, at the time, it was me, a couple of product managers, one or two engineers, a growth marketer, and then we had the year of our chief product officer at the time. And that's really about all the support we had for the idea. I, I had just joined full-time and this was early 2019. And apparently I brought just enough credibility by the skin of my teeth to, to try this out. But I remember the day we essentially got the thumbs up to at least try something. And that was pretty much all we had. We didn't have full leadership buy-in per se. We essentially had permission to go experiment and just try it out. And, you know, Henry's even joked in the last year, looking back at the time, he thought launch Henry's our founder, sole founder and and CEO of, of Carta. And he, he had a, an investor co-founder, but really like he, he got this thing going pretty much from scratch. And it's funny that looking back, he, he will now say that at the time he thought launch was a terrible idea and he still tells the company that, but it's, it's all kind of in jest. The rest is history. So essentially, we just had a glimmer of of hope that we could try it out. I I love that story. And I love the, you know, proving people wrong that thought this would never work. And now it has been extremely successful. Also, it's really hard beyond just getting leadership buy-in is changing the mindset of a sales team. I actually think the behavioral shift is probably the hardest part of driving a successful product-led growth and product-led sales motion. Curious how you made this happen. Sure, sure. I 
I have to get some shout outs here. BD, while I've built out this function in Carta, has lived in a few different homes within the company. And this really started when we were part of, at the time, the strategy org. And then about a year in, as launch was just kind of starting to scale a little bit, I actually moved to report to Jeff Perry, who now was the head of sales and is now our chief revenue officer. And I remember as soon as that was determined, someone looked at me and said, oh, like launch is going to get killed. Like launch is going to get killed. But to Jeff's credit, Jeff always got it. I think our sales leadership, you know, once we got into the conversation, they understood the problem. Charlie, who's been our longtime CFO, he has always been a great supporter behind the scenes. I think once people kind of saw what this could be and what it could mean for the business, we did have good support, people who helped us kind of foster the bet, see it through. And then I think, you know, look, there's a lot of cross-functional discussion, a lot of meetings with different leaders. And then with AEs, you know, at first, I can't say every AE in the company was super pleased with me pushing this idea. I'd been a super sales-led culture and it definitely was controversial, but I think a lot of them did get it. And then a few things we did that I think were very smart and Jeff definitely helped with coaching and feedback to help make this happen. But we did some things along the way to kind of smooth it out. So for example, if a prospect came in and they weren't quite ready to buy, like their company wasn't quite mature enough, they could help that company get onto launch. And then essentially that account would stay in that AE's name. And when that company did mature, that AE would still get, whether the company upgraded online or whether they went back to that AE, that AE would still you know, see commission from that deal. And so they knew that if they took a consultative approach, essentially for them, launch built up this kind of, you know, ledger of future companies that might end up upselling in their book of business. And so over time, they saw that they saw that they could be consultative with those kind of companies, they could um, be a good steward of those accounts. And, you know, eventually, they started to see it as very positive for our business. It is it's a fascinating kind of journey that you had. And I really applaud you for getting your sales team to buy into this. Because if you're going to tell a seller you can't touch this account until it's ready, they're going to look at you like you're crazy until you right. can really prove the value there. So right. prop you all for figuring this out. Yeah. And I think ROEs are really important not to get too too nerdy, yeah. but it is a go-to-market podcast. And I think, you know, all throughout our our sales counterparts have been really understanding about that. Like if we're going to do this, you you have to take a consultative approach. You have to be thoughtful about mm -hmm. how you prospect into these companies. When do you prospect into them? You know, if someone just incorporated and they signed up, don't ask them the next day, like, hey, are you ready to buy? It's not, it's not helpful. And so we've just been very thoughtful about messaging in various parts of that funnel. And, you know, there are tells if if we see from PitchBook or other sources that you, you raised $10 million, we're probably going to reach out to you. But other than that, I think they've been really good and respectful in terms of how to give founders the best possible experience here. And what does the launch go-to-market motion look like today? Yeah, so on a couple of fronts, it's really exciting. I'd say we've definitely transitioned from the zero to one phase of, hey, are we going to stick with this at all to what I call one to N. And Today, launch is really woven into everything we do with early stage companies, whether it's how we market to them, how we do founder education. And on my side, I'm working a lot on things like our developer ecosystem, how to automate. We have some exciting stuff coming up on that front. But essentially, you can think about 
the best version of launch I've always said is one that the founder doesn't have to do at all. And so if they go through a formation engine, if they go through a law firm between, you know, whether they come through API or whether they, we use ML, we should be able to essentially onboard them in an automatic way. And increasingly that's becoming how we're approaching the problem. And so, you know, while launch has been fantastic, really it's designed to be a springboard and a founder is joining Carta usually not to have a perfect cap table, but as a means to an end, they want to, they want to fundraise, they want to hire. And so increasingly it's actually, you know, meeting them where they're at, whether it's a law firm, an accelerator, angel investor, whatever, and then trying to pull them as quickly as possible through the onboarding funnel. In some cases it's completely automated, which is amazing. And since, since we shipped launch, I've helped to spearhead a lot of innovation here around safe financings for founders. We've done incredible modeling tools so they can map their future dilution in future rounds, which I saw so many deals in my career where founders were learning about dilution the night before they closed their first price round, which is not a good time. No. And now we're seeing if you put these tools in founders' hands, they can be super intentional and thoughtful about how they plan out their rounds, their dilution. And so really launches is the first way to get them in so that they can start to fundraise. They can do that fully on our platform. And then if they do things like safes here, then when they want to model out their their first price rounds, that's all automated. And now even closing that round can happen fully on Carta as well. And so it's really the beginning of how they get into an ecosystem that will enable them to be successful in building their company. Yeah. Really the land and expand model. It's see and really product-led sales of how do you get founders to value quickly, help them onto the platform, figure out where you can add more value over time, which is great. Right. Right. And maybe I'll just to give you a couple of stats of kind of looking back how it's gone so far. Today, we've successfully onboarded about 20,000 companies this way. Wow. And uh, it's been so fun to watch them grow up and see what they do. Obviously, they're in all different fields. But today, those companies have raised over 25 billion, and they've built over 100 billion in market value. So wow. I love the saying from small acorns, mighty, mighty oaks grow. And it's been so cool to see what the launch community has done. That is incredible. Super impressive. And, and congratulations. That is not an easy thing that you build overnight. We've learned a lot. Tell me, is there anything else? Last final thoughts that I didn't cover? Sure. I think from my perspective, if you think from first principles and you're willing to take accountability, just take your convictions. And for anyone in, in a go-to-market or leadership role who's thinking about whether it's PLG or another, another initiative where you're essentially trying to pivot how the company has operated and something that's kind of near and dear to the company's heart, you know, at times it's going to be lonely and it's likely that not everyone will understand. Probably, you know, you're, you'll deal with people in leadership who don't understand or don't see the world the way you do. And so if you really have conviction around anything it's important for the business, stick with it. And I'm not saying don't be observant and don't try to, you know, understand the dynamics around you and what might be changing your market. But I would assume you're going to have to dig in to get it going. Even if you get it going, you're going to have to fight some battles to keep it alive and keep telling the story, keep getting more. You know, we had a, a small band of pirates to start and then we had more and more people over time. One thing I did was every time I felt like the bet was at risk and it might get shut down, I would strategically sign up for show and tell. So we have this tradition here at Carta 
where every Wednesday you can share with the whole company. So anytime there was chatter, I would go on show and I don't know if Henry knew I was doing this strategically, but I would go on and I would update the entire company on how it was going, what the metrics were and all that. And that really helped to keep, I think, the energy going and, and built buy-in. And then, you know, the last thing is, this is kind of an old trope, but there truly is no overnight success. Like we started really scrappy. We weren't sure we were going to be able to ship it. When we shipped it, we weren't sure it was going to stay alive and we just, we stuck with it. And now, you know, you turn around one day, it was just quarter our business. Like it wasn't an obvious day, but I can't remember the last quarterly board deck that didn't highlight launch and what it was doing for the business. And for two or three years straight, it's, it's been, you know, really important for our business, but more importantly, I think it's paved the way to our future as a, as a true fundraise and transactional platform. Like where do we want to go from here? I think it's made it much more possible in terms of getting founders in early, helping them keep things clean, helping them fundraise from the beginning. And I really think Carta is going to be a generational company. And I'm, I'm super proud to see that Launch has played a role in making that vision a reality. It's incredible. And when you were talking about kind of pitching this for the first time and signing up for show and tell, it really does sound like founders on their journey to product market fit. Like you need to get product market fit of the PLG motion. And it's right. first principles and understanding how this will work for your company and your motion rather than what's worked for many others. Right, right. Maybe the last thing I'll say on that is in terms of sticking with convictions too. People used to work with like at in, in the Valley, colleagues from my law firm. That was another thing I didn't get to. They, they didn't believe me that the world was going to go this way. And I remember people laughing at me because I actually should have probably addressed this earlier, but there was also conviction. In, in addition to clients still join until Series A, there was also a really strong conviction Clients need to choose Carta. Law firms will not tell them to use Carta, will not ask them to use Carta. And people people basically laughed in my face saying, hey, like this, we won't do this and we will never choose Carta for our companies. And, you know, within a couple of years, it was pretty automatic if they were incorporating a company. It was extremely common that they would just put it on Carta right at the beginning yep. using launch. And so it wasn't just in the company. It was also, you know, other people, former colleagues, also telling me this wouldn't happen, but it just solved so many problems for them too, that I just knew if we stuck with it, you know, the world would change. They'd be doing a horrific series A or series B implementation with all this complication. And they would think like, you know, if I just put that on launch, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this project right now. And I wouldn't be writing off $10,000 in billable time and all this stuff. And here we are. <laughs> well, I'm sure that feels really good. You're not saying I told you so, but I told you so. Um, I didn't say it. <laughs> Reed did not say it. <laughs> but um, no, this was awesome. I absolutely love the journey, learning from traditional sales motion to product-led, launching launch, really acting with first principles, figuring out what works. So thank you so much, Reed, for being here. Really appreciated this conversation. I'm excited for others to learn from you. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun to reminisce a bit. 